0: Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy. Discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. All right.
1: Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how you doing
0: today? I'm very excited today. How are you, Randy?
1: I'm excited too, and I'm doing great. So I know we're starting a new journey with a new person today. So that is what makes me super
0: excited. That's what makes me excited too. In fact, um, this is one of the best parts about doing this podcast is that I get to learn a ton about the history of the sport and I get to talk in depth with people who have a huge history, but who I really don't know that well. And so I'm really excited to bring somebody in who is a a person that I'm going to get to know a lot better during this conversation. This person was inducted into the Hall of Fame with the initial class. She has six major titles, including a 1979 Rose Bowl win with Jane Englehart. Uh, But more than that, she had a significant influence on the style of freestyle play. She was one of the first to combine dance with freestyle. Welcome to the call, Sue Strait. Thank you. And
1: we're going to start where we start with everyone, and that is, how did Frisbee come into your life?
2: That's a hard one, because it's a couple years ago, so the details are murky at times. But um, just as far as background, I'm originally from New York City, and I lived a half a block from Central Park, so ever since I was crawling, I hung out in Central Park. A lot of freedom, had a bike, would bike around the park. So, frisbee's always been something I saw. There was always people playing frisbee, and that was just part of existence. And when I started, my main sort of activity um, growing up was dancing. I danced at that in New York pretty seriously for a number of years. And then, somewhere around like in middle school, I st- was still dancing, but it was a difficult, um, they weren't really my people. Like I loved doing it, but I found that when you got serious at that point, they wanted you to do correspondence school and live at the studio all day and not eat food. And my mother was very not encouraging of that that lifestyle because she thought it was limiting and unhealthy. So I didn't have a lot of support to stay in it because she thought that wasn't a good choice. And when I applied to high school, I applied to um, New York had specialized high schools. So I got in one for dance and one for math, Stuyvesant High School. And I was very supported to go the math and not the dancing route. So somewhere around middle school, I started phasing out of dance, but I love dancing. I still love dancing. I like to move. I like music. So frisbee was like a perfect transition for me to still be doing something like dancing. But if I didn't dance at least seven classes a week, I couldn't dance where I danced. And so it was a real like seventh and eighth grade. That was the sort of struggle, what I was going to do to stay in dance or not. And then somewhere in eighth grade, I started watching people play Frisbee a lot. And I started throwing a lot. And then when I went to high school, I went to Stuyvesant. And if you don't know Stuyvesant, it had an enormous number of Frisbee players. Um, Roger Meyer, Peter Laubert, um, Jim Dodelson, Pee Wee Wayne, um, David Hood. I know I'm missing a ton. Everyone played Frisbee. It was like you went to high school, it was a bunch of math nerds, and everyone could delay. You know, that was just like what my high school was. And before I went to high school, I was already throwing a lot. I remember, so there was a, um, a park, like everyone played in Sheep's Meadow and near the band shell, like they still do today, but that was really intimidating because I'd go and watch people and I didn't know anybody, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. But I started throwing with a friend that lived in the neighborhood who was an ultimate player, who was a bit older than I was, but I would walk. This is like an eighth grade. I'd go walk and sit on this park bench on like 92nd street. And he could see from his apartment if I was sitting down there and he'd come down and throw with me. So we'd throw really far apart because he was an ultimate player. Um, his name was Brian Dobbins. His brother, Kenny Dobbins is a really big ultimate player, but I actually heard Brian died this year. So that was really sad because I hadn't spoke to him in years, but We used to just throw, and I remember learning how to tip, you know, above my head and learning how to elbow tip and do all the catches and learn all the different throws. I don't really remember when I started delaying, but probably somewhere eighth, ninth grade, you know, above my head with my right hand clock, because everybody did sort of this above the head kind of delay stuff at that point. Um, So I started doing that. It was kind of a dust pit, but Central Park used to be a dust pit, so you know, you couldn't do a lot because your Frisbee got nasty really easily. But so I used to throw a lot. And then when I went to high school, it would just was really easy because we had we played in the street in front of the school and everyone played. And, you know, there's a lot of people who've told me they taught me how to delay. Peter Laubert told me every time I saw him for decades and I taught you how to delay. I kind of think I already could, but I never really completed the argument with him, but um, but, you know, I used to play with Carrie Comar, you know, the early players in Central Park. I also like Carrie Comar. I got into, um, we used to roller skate and throw Frisbees and roller skate. And, you know, it was just kind of the whole mash. And then he started playing at Frisbee Hill once I got into high school. So I started competing as a junior in high school. The first year I won the Rose Bowl, I was a junior in high school. I had no idea you were so young We
1: you won the Rose Bowl. And I also had no idea that you had that many people, that many jammers going well, to your school high school. It's like
2: everybody. I mean, like, you know, there was, you know, no women really competed at that point. But all my friends from high school, it's Baron, Karen Schwarzer, all these people delayed. You know, everybody would just sit around and it was like an expected thing that you could delay because you couldn't be cool in high school if you couldn't delay.
0: Oh, that is so awesome. And it's crazy yeah. that that's a math nerd high school at the same time you've got all these people who are doing freestyle frisbee.
2: Yeah, there was like, you know, there's different cliques and there's sort of like, you know, the frisbee crowd was great. There's just, you know, so many people. Like a couple of years ago I went up to Maine to visit my sister up there and i ran into i hooked up with my friend karen from high school and we went to the beach and she could still delay and we played on the beach and she hadn't played since high school you know but she was just a casual frisbee player this is what we did in the street you know we also played ultimate so that's that's my beginnings
0: was kerry comar at the same high school
2: No, he was older. He was So there was like two sort of groups that I started off with. There's the people who played in Central Park, which was like Carrie and Cray and Brian and CB and all those guys. Um, Mountain. Um, So there's like bandshell people. And except for with the exception of Cray, they were a lot older. Or they're a lot older when you're, you know, 15, 16. So I didn't really hang out with them, but I learned to play with them. I grew up in the Upper West Side. Stuyvesant was in the Lower East Side at that point. So on the way home, you walk through some, you know, a lot of times through Washington Square Park, and that's where I met that group of people. But I didn't really hang out in Washington Square Park till later, maybe my junior senior year, because this is kind of interesting. So my first Frisbee tournament I went to, there was no women, and they didn't really know what to do. So I played um, with Roger Myers' older brother, Nicky. Who was part of this sort of general group, but there was no women's division because there was nobody else. And there, and I was—they're like, "You should come and play. You'll win the women's." And I'm like, "Why?" And they're like, "Because you will be the women's division." And I was all by myself.
1: Wow. <laughs> so, wow.
2: I mean, I know Randy, you played. say yeah. you played by yourself, but you did. You're known for playing by yourself. Yeah, but, but that
1: was self-imposed.
2: That was self-imposed. <laughs> I actually had there was no other women who. I mean, there was other women I knew who delayed and played, but there was no one who was as obsessed or interested in it was I was like people would throw after school, but then they had other things they like to do.
1: Yeah, you know, it's so interesting, because I'm just thinking back on what you're saying. And I never realized the lack of women that were playing back then, because you, know, you talk about all the early days, you talk about Carrie, Colmar, and Cray, and Joey, and Richie Smiths, and I'm realizing there's no women's names yeah. here that are coming there's out. And like, there was none. That, yeah, you know, like the, all those guys that were in Central Park early, you were kind of part of that second wave. And that second wave also just had a lot of dudes yeah there's me yeah wow that's really interesting
2: yeah I never played I don't think I ever threw with another woman for a couple of years wow so you know mainly I played with Jane Englehart I also you know played tournaments with other people you know if Jane was injured or when she stopped playing and stuff but um I never met her it was like an arranged marriage really yeah I didn't know Jane somebody came up I think it might have been Jeff because I knew Jeff, because Jeff, Jeff was a Washington Square type, but he would come to Central Park to play. Like, there were some people that went, were more fluid in which group they hung out with.
1: And when you say Jeff, you mean Jeff Felberbaum?
2: Yeah. yeah. So there were some people that played uptown, but it was really two totally distinct cliques. There was people that played in Washington Square and there's Central Park, and there was very little mixing. Jeff mixed. He came uptown because he used to like to play with Cray, and Cray was an uptown person. He that um Central Park guy. You know, people were like, you need to meet Jane. And I think Joey might have arranged it. Maybe I should ask Joey. But it was an arranged marriage. Like, there's a woman that's playing in Washington Square Park who does not have a partner. And you don't have a partner. So you guys should play together.
1: So Jane was playing up in Washington Square. Is that where she was yeah, learning the game? Yeah, we went down in Washington Square. Oh,
2: I know. Forget up. That, There's the yeah. up-down. You got to get your up-downs right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, she was playing, you know, because, you know, she was playing with Joey. She was dating Joey at the time, and they were in the village, and I didn't know her. And she was two years older than me, and I was very introverted and shy, and that was intimidating. And new people have always been intimidating to me. So it was kind of like this scary thing. I was going to start playing with this person I'd, like, never talked to. And Jane was a very dominant personality. So did you guys hit it off as friends, or...? Like you say, it was almost like an arranged
1: marriage, like it was a business partnership or something. It
2: was. I mean, yes, we, we ended up being friends, but it was still a weird way to start because most of the time when you play with someone, you'd have a pool of 25 people and you'd play with people and see whose styles meld and who you, like, relate to and interact with. But the pool was so small that it was like, here's the other person who plays. Wow. You know, so it was. It, it, the dynamics were different, which I think the guys didn't get. You know, because they were getting together on geographic location, but also styles and spins. And, you know, there was a different um, dynamic.
0: So how did it work playing with Jane?
2: It was great. I mean, we hit it off playing very well. She was very, Jane was very technical. She's very driven. She was very um, organized. We're going to play. Let's meet this many days. Let's pick music. Let's play to this. We need to have three and a half co-ops. You know, we had rules of play, which I don't see as much anymore. We had things like, which catches you're going to do because you can't repeat a catch in a combination. So if she does it, I can't do it. She always did a flared. I never did a flared. She did a standing guidus. I did a high guidus. You know, we had to divide up what things were so that we weren't... Because that used to get nailed for, you know, variation if you use the same catch twice. you know? that
0: part of the judging system back then?
2: That was part of our...
0: Just the mentality. Our brains.
2: Um, I don't, you know, I always got stuck judging um, presentation because that was sort of my, that's how I was different than most people. Um, Jane always was the, you know, there was the one woman who judged each category and I was the presentation and she did the difficulty. Yeah, so we, we worked very well together. She was primarily counter and I was primarily clock. But she was also of sort of the Joey generation of people. You need to do both hands, both spins. I was pretty good with counter righty, but not lefty. So probably 80% of our co-ops were clock co-ops.
1: So you guys started competing at a a really high level really quick, it seems like. So do you remember, like, the first tournament that you competed with?
2: With Jane? It was 79. It was the year we won Rose Bowl.
1: So you guys really went out of the gate strong. Yeah, so, like, that
2: first tournament, I didn't know Jane. That was 79. I don't remember when it was. It was in Pennsylvania somewhere. It wasn't Octag, but it was, like, Penn State something. And that was in the spring. And then that spring is when I, you know, started... Washington Square probably heard that I went to this. So that's when the probably the Jane had someone to play with thing probably came out that there was someone who was actually interested in competing. She was interested in competing. You know, I traveled with them in the van, the immortal van with Lid the dog. Oh, is
1: yeah. this Joey's van? Joey's he van. Was, the yeah, Joey's so Joey's van
2: true. always had Richie, sometimes had Donnie. There was various people. We all sort of slept somewhere in the van, hung out in the back, stopped places. It was just random van life with lots of people in it. It was great. I love that. I love yeah, that. Yeah. You know, Jane had nope. her peak you couldn't ever drink out of the, the yellow plastic cup because you'd <laughs> pee in the cup while we were driving so we didn't like to stop and, you know. So you didn't no, want to drink I out just, of that cup? Yeah, I mean, it was like a ritual. The the The, the van had a ritual. The, the van was a life in its own. It was a great, you know, I don't remember. We just, you know, we'd stop in town. Somebody would know somebody. I didn't know anybody, you know. We just started traveling around the country and I didn't know anybody. I'd never, I'd actually never, except for once in my life, been out of like the New York City area. I once went to Maine for a week. I'd never been anywhere in my life. So we just like traveled all over the country and slept on floors and out, you know, I think I had a sleeping bag, but no one owned a tent. So we just kind of like, you know, I remember waking up in my sleeping bag on Venice beach. You know, we just put our bags out at Venice beach when we got in there and woke up at Venice beach and there's like people everywhere. And you're like, at night, it looks like such a beautiful, serene place, but not when you wake up there. So it's a <laughs> yeah. different
0: story. You're a a junior in high school at this point?
2: This would be the summer after my junior year in high school. Wow.
0: And so how do your parents feel about you traveling around in a van with all these crazy... My
2: mom was great. She's like, have fun, enjoy life.
0: That's so awesome.
2: Yeah. No, I never had any... I worked after school, so I saved money for, you know, the... You know, we made... Sometimes we won $35, and that was exciting because we could eat for another two weeks and... Yeah, you because know, the women's division was always like, you know, the guys might win 100 or 200 or whatever. And the women's, it was kind of like a 25 or $35. That was kind of what you got. Wow. Some token wow. amount because there weren't many people playing, but it still didn't support your habit of, yeah. I was skinny well, then, I didn't eat much.
1: <laughs> and those were <laughs> the good old days when like $35 would last you two weeks.
2: Oh, easy. <laughs> Peanut butter and chili sandwiches, which is all I ate anyway at that point in my life. It was pretty easy, so... Well, I want to go back
1: and and talk about your partnership with Jane and developing the routine. So you obviously are bringing your dance and performance skills that you've had. And so when you guys are building the routine, is that coming up about not just the technical side, which you guys were both great at, but just the movement part of of building a routine? How did that I
2: think come that out? was not even discussed because that was a given. You know, what can you do? You know, what kind of extension can you do in this direction? I mean, that was just part of, you know, I mean, people make fun like, oh, you pointed your feet. And so it's like, how do you not point your feet? So I think a lot of what we tried to do was we just talked about like, well, what can you do? I can, Jane or Joey said something like, can you do a cartwheel with a Frisbee? And I'm like, I don't know. So they threw me spin and I did a one-handed cartwheel and rimmed it. And that's where that came from. It was just kind of, what can you do? You do a bad attitude. How high can you get it? Balance that symmetrically because a bad attitude doesn't look good in a lot of poses it has to be a line you know when you your your counter arm you're catching with one but what does the other arm do
1: well you have that great photo of you in that, that bad attitude that is classic that everybody has seen that's
2: from hampshire college Jason right. southeast girlfriend at the time we did a photo shoot one day I think Chris Ryan was up there, too, because we used to have, like, so the other thing I did besides going to the Frisbee high schools, I went to the Frisbee college. So I went to Hampshire, which was where, you know, Dork was, and that's where I met Jason, and Jason was one of my housemates for years, one of my best friends for life. So did you pick Hampshire because of Frisbee players being there? I picked it because, no, well, it was part of it. I knew about it because of Frisbee players. I applied there early decision. So it's the only place I applied to. And I can admit this after all these years that I didn't actually write my application because I didn't want to go to college. And two friends of mine sat me down one day and asked me questions, filled it out and mailed it in for me. Wow. But yeah, I was just hanging out in Santa Cruz and they want to come home. And then I was like, all right, I have no money and I have no job. So I guess I have to go home because somebody's driving back East So I went to college. Well, everybody just moved to California and stayed, and it was just so hard to not do that because I wanted to.
1: You and Jane are building this routine, and it's just uh, normal to be thinking about movement because you just had it as muscle memory from all of your dance days. Right. It was a no-brainer to have that be part of
2: it. You know, people I liked watching. The people I liked watching was Cray early on, and then Evan David later on. You know, people that had natural flow and movement. You know, I always liked... There's some people who played more athletically, which I appreciated, but I didn't like their styles. And I think, you know, you know, hanging out with Donnie a lot, spent a lot of time with Donnie and Donnie, you know, had never had any dance training, but obviously was sort of pre-adapted for dancing. So once he started, when he moved to the city, he started taking dance and it really, you know, he worked on that. Alan Elliott worked. I mean, a lot of, there was a big group of people that worked on lines, you know, that's how you thought about Frisbee was lines. It was you're doing the moves, but doing the moves by itself aren't, isn't what's nice. It's a lot harder because, you know, it's harder to do full extension. It's harder to try to have your arms balance your body properly as far as form, not physical balance. So taking all those things in consideration as a big picture, there's People who really were, you know, that's how they thought about frisbee. There was people who were more as it, it was a sport and there's people it was more of an art form.
1: Art versus sport. The age old question that we still discuss to this day, right? I think there is actually a place for both of them. And I think there's a sweet spot that's like right in the middle of where art is and where sport is. And what I mean by that is, uh, I think you can go too far one direction or the other. So you can go too far on the art side. And I'm certainly guilty of this. And I have looked back at some past routines where I went a little too far on the conceptual side and kind of cringe factor like, oh, gosh, there could have been more Frisbee in that. (laughs) But, you know, it's Something that I learned and, you know, moved the needle the other direction. But you can also go too far in the technical side and it just kind of loses its soul. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't translate. This is just my opinion, of course. So I would love to hear your thoughts, Jake.
0: Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I agree there's a middle ground and that freestyle frisbee is both a sport and an art and maybe even much more than that. But I feel like as long as there's competition where we, have judges and declare winners. It will always be a sport from just from that perspective. And even if you try to bring art into the competition like more creativity, at the end of the day it's still a sport because we're judging it and having winners. But what's kind of cool about freestyle is when we're jamming, it is more of an art, especially when we're doing just spontaneous, give me some give me some spin and I said it to you and who knows what's going to happen, like right? We're just building it real time. It's like a freeform jazz kind of But also we have, um, we've talked to a lot of people who have taken it on the road and doing shows. And uh, even that is more of a, it's a performance art at that point, because you're using it to entertain people more than you are to figure out who's the best and who's a winner. And so, you know, you can see its art form and its sport form in reality.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's the thing of like saying you can go too far either direction. Like if you get totally too technical, the audience can't relate. But you want it to be valid frisbee moves. You don't want to just, you know, go out there and do show tunes. It's, you know, you want to respect the craft as well as respect the art. And like I say, I think there's that sweet spot in the middle where when you hit it right, man, you take the audience on a ride, you take the the players on a ride, and there's really that cool thing that that we've all experienced. Mm.
0: You're you're talking still about competition. It sounds like where you're trying to find the sweet spot between drawing in the viewers and still holding true to the technical aspects of freestyle frisbee yeah you watch certain routines and they just draw you in and then other routines maybe they're doing these really amazing technical things but it doesn't draw you in in the same way
1: it's like it's a, it's a balance right so if yep. you go too technical it's not accessible and if you go too fluffy it's like ooh, those guys that just that's kind of
0: creepy mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny Well, with that, let's continue the discussion about art versus sport. Um, Fabio Sana has made a really generous offer to all of our podcast listeners. He has done a a hand-pencil-drawn version of Sue Strait doing that famous bad attitude. And he is going to make it available for download for all of our podcast listeners on frisbeeguru.com. So if you just go there and you look at the post for this podcast episode... Click the link and you'll be able to have your own copy of that hand-drawn picture. So thank you very much, Fabio.
1: Yeah, thank you, Fabio. That is an incredible gift that you're giving to everyone out there.
0: And on that note, I'll talk to you next time.
1: Talk to you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us, Or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, shooting the frisbees, and live streaming freestyle frisbee. Oh yeah!